Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thanks for joining me on Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you all for joining us. And if I don't ever say it enough, please always make sure to go ahead and never miss an episode of the program. Subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the specific on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I know a lot of listeners on Apple Podcasts will listen to the program. By all means, please rate and review the program. Would love to get some new ratings and reviews up there from all of you that listen every week. And really appreciate you taking time out to go ahead and bring us on. And you know I don't waste time, so we're not going to do it now. My next guest has 25 years of experience working in the food and beverage industry and has guided multiple startups from concept to table, to shelf, and shelf, excuse me. And her expertise is the intersection between food, science, and technology. Entered the cannabis industry in 2015, known for being a provocative thought leader in the future of food and cannabis consumable innovations. I'm joined with the CEO of Trace Rust. Trace Trust and the co-founder of the Cannabis Compliance Alliance, Mel Gilbert. Mel, thanks for being on this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being on and taking time out. Now, you bring together strategic operational management and vision for daily operations, uh, establishing standards for safety, accuracy, credibility, and profitability. You're also featured as a member of the NCIA's Risk Management and Insurance Committee, a founding member of the Women Employed in Cannabis, an advisor at MISTA, a board member at Slow Money NorCal. You've got a lot of just. A lot of I, stuff you're embedded in with I'm that. I'm like, wow, I sound so great, don't I? I'm like, so no, it's wonderful. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it's all, there's a lot of it in there when I read that. It is compliance. And compliance obviously it, is, is very important. So I want to go and take about just some of the action items you get when it comes to prioritizing what you're focusing on right now and the issue of cannabis compliance. How point of mind is that for you right now? Just to take a step slightly back into the past, right? So Mm -hmm. as um, you mentioned, I've been in the food and beverage world for a long time, and I've really um, always been at the forefront of a a lot of transition and change and evolution of that industry. So future food systems and sustainability practices and farm to table long before these things were for general. And always looking forward back in in 2015, seeing um, legal access starting to evolve and happen for cannabis, I knew that that was something I also wanted to be a part of. Thinking of it both as a plant, so the agricultural side of that, as an ingredient, and as, you know, 
a medicine, right? Which, you know, not just pharmaceutical nutritional, but also in health and wellness. And so getting involved with that early on was, was a big piece of this. And that my business partner, who we were introduced because we were both going down this same path, um, her experience was not too far off from mine as far as bringing everything from idea to the shelf and to the table, but also very strong manufacturing background, compliance, food safety, HACCP training. And we quickly saw once legalization was starting to expand quickly that the biggest risk to the industry was going to be unpredictable experiences. And that's when we got very heavily involved in writing like the first HACCP and food safety trainings for cannabis. My relationship um, with Kim Stuck, with Ale, and, and David Valancourt with GMP Collective, we all were going down this path knowing that we really need to help navigate advocate and implement good safety practices like every other industry. So now let's get to talk about a new collaborative partnership just in the last couple of months that you have made as Trace Trust collaborates now with Ally Consulting. And by the way, Kim Stuck is a CEO there. We actually had her on a few months ago here on the program. Uh, this collaborative partnership provides cannabis operators an efficient path to business success with Ally Consulting's Proficiency in regulatory compliance certifications, such as good manufacturing practices, coupled with your company's entrepreneurial support. And the plan is to trace trust will concentrate on sharing business. Businesses are set up for success while LA offers regulatory knowledge in CGMP certification, ISO accreditation, among other safety aspects. So the best of both worlds in this partnership. Talk to me about why this was such a good fit. Yes. So again, Kim, stuck and and I really started to uh, first you know addressing each other we're active competitors but more importantly over these last several years we really have come together with um, as I mentioned an, another recent partner of hers David Valancourt of GMP Collective and Mark Slaw of iComply I had come to them as my competitors a few years back saying we need to make stronger statements about regulatory guidelines, implementing compliance standards. And we created the compliance, the Cannabis Compliance Alliance with that. And also during this time, my focus in our business really started becoming much more heavy into how do I really enter into the legal cannabis market? How do I build safe and reliable products? How do I get ready to look for funding and expand my business? and working with investors to really identify those businesses that are ready to receive investment. And so we started moving away from this operational consulting of getting people GMP certified, getting them um, ISO trained and in, you know, developing this much more deeper relationship and trust with Kim and her team. When we entered this year, we were like, you know what, we don't want to do any of this work anymore. And we love working with you. We trust you. We trust you for our clients and our future clients. We would like to focus on really getting people to that point that they need that work in their everyday business and growing their businesses and looking for co-packing relationships. Um, and we would love for you to take on actually doing that work in the operational side. And we all said, yes, yes, yes. And here we are. When it comes to what you're doing to advise entrepreneurs and advise businesses, along with what Kim is doing over there at LA, what I asked about her was for companies to reach the standard of good manufacturing practices, 
you know, I really wanted to find out what is it about that really every company can really take upon how well that does serve above the bare minimum of compliance. And I wanted to also ask the same question to you about why is it that you feel like you are in lockstep with where she is about where GMP needs to be the standard is set for all companies, especially when we get to some legalization of federal oversight down the line. I think the best way to explain that and and why it's so important is every other industry has these types of standards. You do not get to say I have organic milk unless a third party has come through and verified that how the cattle are raised are only, you know, on organic materials, how it's processed. It's in a plant that only handles organic materials and that it can be repeated time and time again. And if there's any reason at all with that product, it can be recalled from any point. That's what good manufacturing is, right? It's a, it's from beginning to end. There is traceability, validity, and there's good practice around safety, not just, you know, from the outside to the inside to how you hire people, how you train people, and again, how the finished goods come out. And so if you are doing that, you're, you are way more on the path to continue profitability and growth and less risk adverse. And that less risk adverse also transfers in how your insurance company looks at you, how your bank looks at you, how all of these things come together because they know day in and day out, you are doing everything you can to be safe, reliable, and consistent in every aspect of your business. Now, Meryl, I want to ask you, when you have companies that understand that this is where they should be, but they might push back on the cost that might be accrued along with this, the extra amount of staffing that will be needed for evaluation for testing. Uh, what do you say to those when they come up with those kind of issues where this is affecting their bottom line for this extra above and beyond effort? Because it, it needs to, number one, not be thought of an extra and above. It needs to be think in the same way that you pay your utility bills, right? That you, it's really part of your overall business, um, operation cost. And that it's also now that we have had legal access for so many years, who has made the most money? The label makers, right? The people, because every time something failed, it had to be relabeled or how much product had to be destroyed because it wasn't, it never met the quite the right standards. All of those things cost so much money and they devalue you and your company. And so there's no reason to have this risk when really taking it seriously on a daily basis about doing things correctly overall not only saves you money, but it builds your business and it builds your credibility and trust with whoever your end user is. Okay. We're going to go to commercial break. And what I want to do when we come back is I want to go and take some part into what you do a lot of education and especially from, for investors or for, for entrepreneurs out there reaching out to investors. And there's a lot of things you brought up that I want to just take a couple of points on the next break and ask you about them when it comes to finding your finer persona. And when you are, are leaning to be pitching a product to companies or, or to investors or a service, I want to ask you about that coming up after the break. I'm here again with the CEO of Trace Trust and the co-founder of Cannabis Compliance Alliance, Merrill Gilbert. Website, by the way, is tracetrust.com, T-R-A-C-E, trust.com. And when we come back, we'll talk about that and more. Stay, stay with us. 
rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome back. I'm here with Merrill Gilbert here on Blunt Business, the CEO of Trace Trust and the co-founder of the Cannabis Compliance Alliance. The blog on Trace Trust actually put up a good story I wanted to bring up. And uh, this might be a bit basic of education, but still, I want to take a little more into an advanced discussion about it because I want to just see how it applies to what the industry has out there in terms of companies and really getting a comparison as to what companies are doing compared to who is being brought into the space. The people that you have yourself that you're consulting and bringing into the space and getting them jump started in. So it was discussing distinguishing cannabis entrepreneurs as either innovators, disruptors, and refiners. In the definitions real quickly, innovator, creating new ideas or products, creative, imaginative risk takers, innovators think outside a box, approach programs, uh, pro- problems with fresh perspectives, often comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity, Disruptors, challenges the status quo, bold, assertive, fearless, willing to challenge conventional norms to create something better. Disruptors, uh, driven by a desire to revolutionize an industry or solve a major problem. And refiners, taking existing ideas or products, improving them, often described as methodical, detail-oriented, and patient, not as concerned with being the first to market or creating something new. Instead, a deep understanding of the market and identifying areas for improvement and growth. A lot of people are going to see the industry still a bit new anyway, because it's only been about our decade or so that we have real legal cannabis. So would not be as many refiners at this point yet because of how much time we've had. But I would imagine you have a lot of innovators that come into the space and disruptors. Innovators obviously could be doing it on their own or they find their way into, you know, finding somebody that's a larger corporate sense that will take their ideas and bring them into the fold and disruptors shaking everything up and it's talking about finding your finer persona so in the industry the way the law is i want to go and find out from you meryl about do you feel like there is a point where refiners there's only so many that can really be brought into the space it's, it's something that you can start seeing more of now meanwhile innovators and the way i look at it could go on their own something craft or something that's specialized or customized a smaller end business or being folded into a larger business and disruptors. Are there that many of those? What can you tell me about the landscape on those three sectors right there? I think you're going to be surprised at what I'm going to say. Okay. Where we are right now in today's place and market is we actually have more refiners. Interesting. You, you have people that, you know, and companies that have been in the legacy market that are coming in and what is the, exciting about those refiners and why you're seeing, and I'm taking that persona ahead of the others is because also simultaneously the last couple of years, we've had so much innovation, right? So now if we go back even five years, we didn't have the, the 
fantastic nano emulsions. We didn't have the clear understandings of how other active ingredients can enhance a cannabis um, experience. And so those things are what we're seeing really happen is those initial innovations and that technologies are now coming back into these products that are getting refined, right? So it's not just having a gummy it's having a gummy that fits a, a need state in a time of day, an experience you're trying to have. It is the whole beverage industry, which is really the great way for us to finally get to normalization, right? Because it's a vehicle in which people understand and they're used to maybe what a glass of wine feels like. Well, now with these technologies, we can, you know, have the onset and offset so controlled that we can now give people a shortened entry into this new world, right? And not this stoner, heavy, you know, THC effect, right? That now it can fit my needs in my day in the way I want to feel it. And that's what's so exciting about this, right? So the innovation um, has been happening. It's leading for refinement in everyday products, but also with the legacy market that really has always understood the, the true plant essence and then the disruptors are happening in, again, whether it's the way in which you, you have it or where you're experiencing it, all of those things are, are really coming together. So it's just choosing what lane you want to live in and then moving your company that direction. Now, a lot of your experience comes from food and beverage. And I would imagine when you're talking about refiners, that would definitely be the case in the consumables area. What would you say about those that are just working in cultivation, harvesting flour and using it for various products, tinctures, salves, uh, you know, flour at all? That, that, and that, is it a different, are those areas a little bit different in terms of who is running in those spaces? Because I can understand refiners in those spaces outside of consumables coming from Fortune 500, they would say, okay, here's what we've done before. We're going to apply it here. Remembering that a lot, where does our food come from? It comes from being grown somewhere, from a seed, from a right. plant, right? An animal, all of those things. And this is, we're talking about a plant here, right? And so what's, again, where we're seeing not only differentiation in the future, and now that we're starting to see some real research and genetic testing is that refinement is happening. Right. So the whole cultivation side is, you know, about these terpenes, which are the entourage. What are the other effects that I'm trying to create with this? Or can I use certain um, blends of genetics for other outcomes? We're just at the beginning of this era. Right. And that it's not just one cannabinoid and it's the marrying of the history and the future together. And so it is, you know, the seed banks and the seed opportunities is is phenomenal. And it's, you know, just even the tissue cultures and being able to, because that's the true growth right now when you can't actually move plants state to state in, in the United States, but you can actually, you know, replicate growing environments. And it's, there's still, you know, obviously the craft of growing something outdoors, but we're learning more about living soil and we're learning more about indoor and outdoor. So again, it's the genetics in the future in those growths. And it's not just about the end product. Would the disruptors that you identify with, when we talked, when you just brought up before about that, there are still people that try to use that same tired stoner stereotype. Everything has to be green. Everything has to be with a leaf on it. Would the real disruptors right now be those that are normalizing the space and not placating to that overplayed and 
you know, such a conventional, let's fall back to the standard ter- stereotype? Absolutely. And that's why, you know, the, the, the real um, companies that are exciting and inspirational and aspirational these days are really targeting different places for this, right? So beverages, you know, can be used in a variety of instances, but, you know, we have a whole slew of products that are, are good for if you're trying to enhance your workout, that are trying to recover after your workout. We're finding, you know, different age groups for different, you know, parts of the day. I need help with sleep. I need help with rest. I just want to be more sociable. I need to focus. So we are finding these different ways and opportunities to change the narrative around, unfortunately, those that have been most, you know, disenfranchised and are still suffering and incarcerated for a plant that we can now go and get delivered to our home or go to a a really, you know, shishi place and enjoy like in Las Vegas, right? So we have these these different narratives and we have these different um, communities that have to still come into this. But first, you know, the everyday person needs to understand that there's a huge difference from what they might have done when they were in college and the opportunity for having something completely different and unique for whatever experience they're trying to have. There's products for that. There's brands for that. And there's people that are really trying to make this a very experiential, um, need-based experience. And I've already talked already asked you pretty much more specific about disruptors and refiners. So let's take innovators. Would it be more that the innovation that we should be seeing more in the industry comes from more of the funded research studies that say a lot of schools are starting to get a chance to go ahead and work on or whenever they go ahead and you know connect or collaborate with either public private with a company, or if a company is able to do their own research and development, the R and D, where do you see the innovation best coming from? these days and is there a lot of room for companies to welcome new innovation coming in that could really be game changing for the industry it is it seems like there has been some retraction in the excitement about access to legal cannabis but it's actually more than that because um things are are slowly progressing in regulatory Hopefully we get some banking, but what is so innovative, so exciting is there's so much, we're just at the beginning. There's just such at the beginning of what's to come. As I said before, the cultivation side, the whole area around genetics and, and particularly growing for specific things is just really coming to life. Developing, using this as an ingredient for a variety of different things and using it with other active ingredients is amazing. And then now that we are going to actually start getting some real medical research, we're really going to be able to use it, as I said, in a traditional sense, but also in a health and wellness sense. And we're just, it's just the beginnings. And and you're seeing all of this collaboration, not just in the United States, but internationally. And again, I don't even, I can't even predict where I think we'll be even a year from now. Now on your LinkedIn page, you posted about being asked about pitching a product compared to a service. This is a, for those trying to reach out to investors. You wrote this quote, pitching a product versus pitching a product business versus a service business requires different funding approaches. And you went on to say this quote, knowing your business and funding options will help you build a roadmap that aligns with your business goals. So what would you add to further persuade the possibilities of funding to whichever particular investors you're talking to, whether it's product or service, 
because right now we're dealing with a bear market style economy and people might be a little bit hesitant to put money in. Is there something that you feel like that should be added into the pitch to assure investors? People that and companies that are having a struggle accessing funding is really um, because there's not a real proof of concept and a foundational basis to what the company is and can be. So we are often trying you know, to explain the kind of stepping stones to the getting ready for funding. One is ideally you've gotten to a proof of concept. You've gotten your friends and family to believe in it and they're ready for the next level. And you are at the next level of being able to um, you've tested it with buyers, you've tested it with other people and they want it and they would buy it if they could get it. And you're ready to grow and start producing that. The other area that's getting funded is you actually have generated revenue. You have a lot of interest, but you can't get to that next level of growth and expansion because you don't have the runway and bandwidth to do that, whether that's people, whether that's financial resources, whether it's a facility and co-packing, you can't do it until you get to that next level. And then the third is really what is the future, right? That you now are, you know, in two or three states and you want to go to more states or you're, there's a merger and acquisition coming, there's future technology, there's patented concepts, all of those things, which are taking you from that angels and series A into the future. And so all of those things are being readily funded, but they need to see that it's not just a cool idea. They want to, you need to know your numbers. You need to know what problem you're solving. You need to be able to communicate how you differentiate. You need to demonstrate that you have the team and the capabilities to go the distance and that this is just the next stepping stone and lever for you to really grow your business. We talk a lot about um, the readiness, pitch perfect. We have a, a whole new series on, you know, here's the, the slides you need if you're doing a live event. Here's what you need to do and to plan for that. Here's how you email. Here's how you do a cold and a warm outreach. But we also, if you are at a pitch readiness, you actually have your deck. We have this, you know, really great little, you know, three meeting process that takes you through a pitch report card because we not only have coached a lot of people, but we've done our own pitches, right? And we're pretty, again, with our vast knowledge of different types of industries, we know what works and we can easily tell you, no, nobody, if you can't convince us that this is worth money, then how are you going to convince somebody else to give it to you? So we're really focused. But the main thing is knowing who you are, knowing why you're doing this, really having a proof of a product or a service that works, and then really being able to understand what you need next and knowing your numbers. The numbers, 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 we say it, but it's not because I want to look at your credit score. It's really that I want to know that you know how your business operates, how it generates revenue, and its path to profitability. We're going to go to another commercial break. When we come back, I mentioned, you know, your title being with the co-founder of the Cannabis Compliance Alliance. We haven't really touched much on that, but I want to do that after the break. And also talk about uh, what you're doing right now to help connect people and ideas for a collaborative future. I had a great new project you started up. I'm going to bring that up with you. Uh, I'm here again on Blunt Business with Merrill Gilbert, the CEO of Trace Trust and the co-founder of the Cannabis Compliance Alliance here on Blunt Business. 
back with final questions after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Rounding the home stretches, my friend David Zadell would say here on Blunt Business, uh, finishing up right now with Merrill Gilbert, CEO of Trace Trust and the co-founder of the Cannabis Compliance Alliance. And if you hadn't had a chance to look at the website, tracetrust.com is where you can find everything. Trace, T-R-A-C-E, trust.com. So we mentioned the Cannabis Compliance Alliance. It's consisting of four of the top quality compliance consulting firms working with cannabis industry clients globally providing timely information and tips for the industry, engaging in discussions on industry concerning topics and informing everyone of the current problem and where the industry and experts are developing the solutions. So what's been the the real talking points of or priority as of late? I would imagine one of the things I would think about, especially when I look at New York as a new market that has opened up, Maryland will be coming up soon. New Jersey's also opened up and the press can't help themselves, but talk about the issues with an illicit market. And overcoming mm-hmm. that part. And then the regulatory, the pricing, the licensing, and all the things that come about. And then compliance has to be added into that formula. Talk to me about what the CCA has been working on. So first, you know, we came together because we all want to advocate for why these processes are so important and why it is so crucial to the advancement of the industry as a whole. And you, you talk about the expense of it, but it's not understood why this is a necessary need in the same way that you apply for your license. And if you coming into these states by really setting yourself up for success from the beginning and being compliant, again, means that you're going to operate your business with the idea that people can come there, can trust you and have a good experience. What's happened, and this is what we've really seen over the last several years, is in states that don't have any form of legal access, whether it's medical or full recreational use, is the problem of this is where we start to not see not only um, you know, clean, available and traceable products, but you see adulterated things that are synthetically blended together to mimic or mirror a THC experience. And oftentimes it's done with a lot of toxicity. So again, because there's no testing validation, there's no traceability and there's no transparency of the supply chain and the ingredients, you're putting yourself at risk. It's the risk that I talk about for Mm -hmm. the industry as a whole, right? And this is where the problematic side is. Um, And you know, here in California, we did not do justice to our legacy growers. We did not make it easy. And we really, unfortunately, lost so many of them because we didn't make it easy for them to come into the legal market. Mm-hmm. And we made it arduous. And we also, you know, because to get um, Congresses to want to approach this, it all became financial, right? So the taxation on top of the taxation just made it so arduous to even be in this. And so ideally what we're seeing now is some of these states taking this seriously, really trying to be thoughtful from the beginning and to really implement access and policies that are doable, right? And that are achievable and that can, again, not only lead to a a growing industry, but also 
ideally to those that are in ownership to profitability, right? Because you can't support anything and you can't grow anything if you're not making any money. I'm going to be the broken record. And I know when I had Kim on a few months ago, Kim Stuck, and I brought up the whole portion about compliance every time I do an episode, get ready for listeners. I'm going to say it again and I'll repeat it over and over until it just doesn't, until it gets across. 2019 can trust because of the issues of compliance on there. There was health Canada and the governing boards there. They had to destroy what? $65 billion worth of product. And I think that $2 million of fine. So 77, $77 million or billion. I forget what it was, but that kind of load. And basically the company has never recovered from that sense. I think it was 77 billion. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But no, you don't recover. We don't recover. That's why we've seen so many people go out of business, right? You you don't understand the risks. I mean, and there's so many of them, right? We have enormous amount of crime happening in this industry. That is, you know, beyond a level because we're dealing with cash, we're dealing with product. A lot of the information about where you operate your businesses is easily accessible through the state regulatory. So those things happen. But losing product because it didn't test properly, it was not labeled correctly, it wasn't valid, that is just poor management. <laughs> 65 million like, of that inventory is good money and throwing plants. it in the store. Exactly. You might as well right. just throw it in the trash. <laughs> and it was just like, it was something as simple as it was just in the wrong room. It was just in a room that was contaminated. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah, that's and, it. But that is such a, I mean, you just cannot be a company like that. And there's some good people there. Don't get me wrong. But like I said, that's such a, a, a gross, mis- it's just a horrible mistake to make. And any company in America could do the same thing, which is why you need to worry about compliance. And I always say above the bare minimum over and over. It can't be what I said. And it sounds like everything you've heard about when it comes to good manufacturing practices to go with an industry standard across other industries. Yes, the cost is going to be there. Yes, it's going to go against what you want. But it's it's uh, a necessary evil. That's the only way I can look at it. And nobody wants to do that. And it's like, well, what about the illicit market? They take about 40% of the of the market anyway. Well, still doesn't change anything about how much, how important it is that companies need to go ahead and stay above ground and follow practices that most likely reach the GMP standard. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, again, it's telling leadership, where are you going to put your money? If you can't turn the lights on because you didn't pay your utility bills, are you going to say, oh, it's an unnecessary expense. I don't want to spend money on that. No. And this is the same thing, right? These are good practices that carry your business day in and day out. It builds trust and it's something you can advertise. It can tell people if you you know, it is, as I said, you know, you buy the organic milk because it has the organic seal on there that tells me somebody has proven all the way down the line that, you know, from the way that that, that cow has been treated all the way to that carton, somebody has, has not in the company saying, oh, it's the greatest thing an actually audited, regulated organization came through and made sure that I can track every single document, that every employee has been trained, that every animal is accounted for, that every piece of packaging, and that, God forbid, I need to get it back, I know how to find it. And that's, that's the premise about these compliance regulatory guidelines and why they're so crucial. 
You recently announced on LinkedIn, there's a newsletter that you sort of called Curious Futures as to help connect people and ideas for a collaborative future. And you wrote about about this. You said, quote, the newsletter is an extension of my ongoing approaches of bringing culture and strategy together in business and life. So talk to me about this. I think it's already been five that's already been published so far. Talk to me how this has gone so far. Thank you. It's actually only been a week from today. And I have to say, I've been so surprised at how many numbers of subscribers we have already. So that was pretty thrilling. You know, part of it is that uh, one of the things that we explore a lot is, is the connection of um, people and action. And my secret sauce is really my own personal curiosity that leads to me connecting with people in all different places, in all different industries. And I never get more excited and thrilled than when I can connect those things together. And so it really came about, about this future work that we're doing, the current work that we're doing, about really helping founders identify you know, what they're trying to communicate, how they build their companies, who are the partnerships that they look for, how do they, you know, fund their, their companies, how do they become profitable, but also what is it like if I am going to go find an investor, what does that relationship look like? How do I build on that? How do I develop an investor profile so I am picking the right thing for my company? And it's also about being true to yourself. Like we have, um, we talk a lot, I, we have a LinkedIn Live as well, and it's really the, the intersect of the things that, that you and I have been talking about today. And what is leadership resiliency, right? That workforce, myself, my team, you know, we've gone through so much these last several years and we're just starting to transform and come out of it. But the past is the past. We're not going backwards. So how do we go forward? We really try to encourage those conversations. We really want to talk about cannabis as an active ingredient, right? It's, it should be treated like all others. It's just misunderstood and not enough is known about it. So we really want to expose that conversation. And then the last piece is you know, future food systems. We still are in the food world and people forget it, but we, you know, where our food comes from, how do we feed ourselves in the future? How does all the, you know, these things connect with our daily lives and what's the future retail experience going to be? Where's my food going to come from? How do I enjoy community with friends? You know, as I've been so holed up in my house for so long, how do I bring community back together? And it just seemed like the perfect timing to really start having those conversations in a way that I find very authentic and important to me. And I love sharing that passion and excitement about the future. So let's go ahead and let people get directed to where they can work on with you. So we've already met the, the website when it comes to tracetrust.com. And how can people get their hands on subscribing to Curious Futures? Check me out on, on LinkedIn, Meryl Gilbert at LinkedIn. And also the Curious Futures newsletter lives also on LinkedIn. And then how can people participate in the Cannabis Compliance Alliance? So that is really just reaching out to us. And you can also go to our LinkedIn page there and send us a note. It is not um, actually an organization. It's just an access to um, the four of us and the advocacy work that we do. Um, and just one last thing that Trace Trust is pretty excited about is that we will be hosting on September 27th here in Northern California, our first 
symposium called Serious Talks for a Serious Industry. And it is really about bringing all of these aspects of um, the future of cannabis together to talk about where do we go from here and how do we build for a future as we gain more legal access, as we bring more people in to this, and as we do more research and funding. Meryl, thanks for being on with us so much. Really do appreciate you taking time out. Meryl Gilbert here, CEO of Trace Trust, co-founder of Cannabis Compliance Alliance. Thank you again for being on and really appreciate all you're doing. And let's definitely keep in touch. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful host. My pleasure. It was a great conversation. I'm glad we got to put this together. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to go ahead and subscribe. Share this along. You might also see this on the YouTube channel for Cannabis Radio. Look for that as well. But in the meantime, we'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.